Good morning. So I get the privilege to introduce Wes, and I thought about this after I was asked about 20 minutes ago of the speech I'd come up with, right? And one score in 13 or 14 or 15 years ago, um, a real bow-legged guy, hi Judd, came came into our church dragging three boys, and uh, and what a blessing that has been to our congregation. Um, I had the honor of, of being a Sunday school teacher for them, and for a while it was a corral, and uh, as you might imagine, but uh, we had a great time. Um, it certainly is a privilege to welcome you to our uh, pulpit and look forward to what the Lord's got on your heart. Wes, come in. Sure. How about now? Oh, there we go. Okay. All right. We're going to try to blow the speakers off this thing today. In the name of Jesus. Amen. I tell you what, uh, Ryan was being nice. He was. He was being really nice. I know we tried to eat him out of all his money one time. We helped him work on the roof and uh, at his house. And, and he's like, yeah. I'll buy the pizzas, you know. He didn't realize that, that uh, teenagers eat a, a medium pizza hut pizza by themselves, you know. So, yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay, you were being nice. You were being nice. Can't do that anymore. I wish. Um, I got to tell you, um, it's very surreal being here. and uh, And I'm sure it is for you, too. I'm sure it is for you too. I and so if you have no clue who I am, um, my name's Wesley Wesley Newsom. I'm I'm one of uh, three boys from my father Judd Newsom, and um, I grew up in this church. And I I started coming here. I was probably second grade, and. Uh, this church for me is always home and the people in this church have demonstrated what it looks like to be the church and this church in itself I'm going to brag about this church for me I was going to wait to do that but I'm going to do that right now because God is not confined in a box His word is so much bigger and more powerful than we could ever imagine. And the work that we do as believers and the work that we do as part of the church and followers of Christ, you have no idea the reach that it has for the sake of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I want to tell you this morning that this church, from its foundation of Pastor John, of laying the foundation in the word and in the scripture, has probably sent out more pastors and sent out more missionaries than the big box churches you see out there today. And it's not something to be prideful about, but it's something to say, you know what, you're doing something right. 
And that means that you're following the scripture and you're digging into God's word and you're discipling people unto Christ. And you're leading them in into um, a stronger and deeper faith to one that when the winds blow and then they step outside the walls of this church, they're not blown to and fro because there's a solid foundation in the scripture. See, that's what God's word does for us. And that's what this church has done for so many people. And I know that's what is continuing to happen to Pastor Chris, the way that he's delivering God's word and the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ. There is nothing more powerful than God's word that, that can take a cold and dead heart like mine and can make it alive again. Amen. And praise God for that. And I'm just going to I wasn't going to do this, but I just want to share um, just a little bit of my testimony. I was in my dad brought me here when I was little. And he rode us in in a truck we, we called the Green Weenie. I think it was a 76 GMC pickup with three on the tree. And it, it became blue later on, the Blue Goose. We took many trips in that truck to Texas. You know, my dad just swooping in and picking up me and my brothers and, and driving all by himself with me and my brothers to Texas. He was brave. And... um Brave enough to bring us here. Brave enough to bring us to church by himself and and to do uh, what God had called him to do as a father. And just an encouragement to parents in here that as you're walking through this life, um, the impact that you have of dragging your kids to church, sometimes it's by their ears. And you know what? Kids, it's a good thing. Praise God. Amen. And... Uh, Years ago, you remember Billy Graham, anybody? I'm sure you do. That was a rhetorical question. Uh, Billy Graham Crusades, uh, Bible Chapel used to volunteer there. A lot of people used to work in, in um, doing ushering and all kinds of stuff. And, and my dad was part of that. My mom and dad were divorced, and my mom was actually the one who took me to the Billy Graham Crusade in the fourth grade. And I gave my life to the Lord right then. And I walked down those steps. I gave my life to Jesus. And my life has never been the same. And I'm going to tell you that there's people in this church that had a tremendous impact in my life. And, um, and, I'm, and I'm going to name a couple. And, and I don't want you to feel left out if your name isn't mentioned because I, almost everybody in this church has had an impact. Not just me, but my, my, my kids. And have left a legacy of love for the gospel. Um, I was sitting probably three rows from the very back. It would be my left on the right side. Um, at sports, not sports camp, but vacation Bible school. And I can remember Ryan up here singing Majesty. Majesty. You guys remember that? Worship His Majesty. Yes. And you know what? God spoke to me right there. When I was watching Ryan speak, God spoke to me and he said, one day you're going to do that. And God, he's so good. He always fulfills his promises, doesn't he? (laughs) The thing that he could speak into a little kid's heart in the fourth and fifth grade. It's crazy. It's crazy. And I was sitting there. Not much time had passed, really. um, Maybe a few months. And I can remember Pastor John up here speaking and God speaking the same thing in my heart then that one day I was going to do that. 
that one day I'd be up here preaching. And uh, just how surreal things are and how good God is in, in fulfilling the things that he speaks into our hearts. Amen. I, uh, I come to this place in this moment. Um, it's a place where God is a fulfiller of things that he speaks into our hearts. And I know God has spoken things into your heart. I know God has laid family members on your heart that don't know the Lord. I know God has put things into your life and put people in your path for you to pray for to come to Christ. He did that for a reason. And I want to, I want to encourage you to continue just to, to do what God has called the church to do. To love people to Christ. To be a light. Shining on a hill, shining in the valley of Auburn, a bright light of the gospel of Jesus Christ, one that changes lives, that can change a cold, dead heart like mine, and that changes cold, dead hearts like yours and makes it alive in Christ. It's a beautiful thing, and I'm so excited. Um, Let's just open up in prayer, and after that, I want you to turn your Bibles into uh, John chapter 9, please. Heavenly Father, We just humbly come before your throne of grace this morning, Lord God. And we invite you in this place. Your scripture tells us where two or more are gathered in your name, you are in the midst. And God, we thank you for that. God, we don't know just the special privilege or power that comes with that, but you just give us your word and we trust in you. And Heavenly Father, I just pray, God, for this church. God, that you would continue to use it. God, that you would use it as um, a training ground For the gospel of Jesus Christ, where people know Christ, where they grow in Christ and where they go in Christ, Lord God. And Heavenly Father, I just thank you for the blessings that you have given. Lord, we thank you for the ability to work, the ability to provide, Lord. And when we can't, Lord God, you show up. In ways that we never expected. And God, we thank you for that. Because you were so good and so loving. God, we just commit the reading of your word. Lord, may you be glorified in it all. And we give you all the praise in the strong and powerful name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. So, we're going to just jump in uh, John chapter 9. I have uh, like four sermons worth of stuff as probably you're used to by now. Um, to go through, and I was trying to figure out what the cutoff line was going to be for for going through the scripture. And in traditional John Eggerdahl time, um, we'll be done somewhere around twelve ish. So, um, and if if this is being recorded, I promise not to talk about the weather to start the sermon out, Chris. I've heard, I've heard a few things. It's pretty nice today. I hope it's nice wherever he's at. So, um, and really, we need to be praying for your, your pastor, right? That that this is a time for him to really to be encouraged, to be strengthened, to to reboot and um, and just really feel the presence of of the Lord. Amen. 
So let's open up John um, chapter 9. I'm going to just go a little bit before that in the end of chapter 8. And Jesus is at the Festival of Tabernacles. And it's one that's the last of the feasts and uh, that were that were commanded by Moses. And Jesus, his boldness um, should never surprise us. And in verse 58 in uh, chapter 8, he says, Verily, truly, I tell you, Jesus answered before Abraham was born, I am. At this, they picked up stones to stone him. But Jesus hid himself, slipping away from the temple grounds. There's a reason why they wanted to kill him. He was claiming deity. God in the flesh, Jesus Christ. The I am. Before Abraham, I am. Jesus. They wanted to get him. They picked up stones to get him, but he slipped away. In verse 1 in chapter 9, it says, As he went along, he saw a blind man from birth. His disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? I'm just going to read on for a while, and then we'll come back to the points. Neither this man nor his parents sinned, Jesus said. But this happened, so that the works of God might be displayed in him. As long as it is day, we must do the works of him who sent me. Night is coming when no one can work. While I am in the world, I am the light of the world. After saying this, he spit on the ground, made some mud with the saliva, and put it on the man's eyes. Go, he told him, wash in the pool of Siloam. This means sent. So the man went and washed, and he came home seeing. His neighbors and those who had formerly seen him, begging and asking, Isn't this the same man who used to sit and beg? Some claimed that it was. Others said, No, he only looks like him. But he himself insisted, I am the man. Anybody ever said that? I'm the man? Okay, just saying, you're not that man. Okay, just saying. How then were your eyes open, they asked. He replied, the man they called Jesus made some mud and put it on my eyes. He told me to go to Salome and wash. So I went and washed. Now I could see. Where is this man, they asked him. I don't know, he said. They brought to the Pharisees the man who had been blind. Now the day on which Jesus had made the mud and opened the man's eyes was the Sabbath. Therefore, the Pharisees also asked him how he had received his sight. He put mud on my eyes, the man replied, and I washed and now I see. Some of the Pharisees said, this man is not from God, for he does not keep the Sabbath. But others asked, how can a sinner perform such signs? So they were divided. Then they turned again to the blind man. What have you to say about him? It was your eyes he opened. The man replied, he is a prophet. They still did not believe that he had been blind and had received the sight until they went for the man's parents. Is this your son, they asked? Is this the one you say was born blind? How is it thou that he can see? We know he is our son, the parents answered, and we know he was born blind. But how he can see now, or who opened his eyes, we don't know. Ask him. He's of age. He will speak for himself. His parents said this because they were afraid of the Jewish leaders who had already decided that anyone acknowledged that Jesus was the Messiah would be put out of the synagogue. That was why his parents said he is of age. Ask him. The second time they summoned the man who had been born blind. Give glory to God by telling the truth, they said. We know this man is a sinner, he replied. Whether he is a sinner or not, I don't know. One thing I do know, I was blind, but now I see. 
Then they asked him, what did he do to you? How did he open your eyes? He answered, I have told you already and you do not listen. Why do you want to hear it again? Do you want to become his disciples too? They're probably a little hot by then, right? They're getting mad. Then they hurled insults at him and said, you are this fellow's disciple. We are disciples of Moses. We know that God spoke to Moses, but as for this fellow, we don't even know where he comes from. This man answered, now that is remarkable. You don't know where he comes from? Yet he opened my eyes. We know that God does not listen to sinners. He listens to the godly person who does his will. Nobody has ever heard of opening the eyes of a man born blind. If the man were not from God... He could do nothing. To this they replied, you were steeped in sin at birth. How dare you lecture us? And they threw him out. That's a lot to digest. We could probably go through this um, for a long time. But I want to just lay a little bit of background. Let's look at the characters in here. You have Jesus. You have his disciples, right? The Pharisees, the blind man, his parents, and they're all there. And this time was the Feast of Tabernacles. It's the last of the seven feasts the Lord commanded Israel. So what they did is that during this time, they remembered God's deliverance of the Israelites out of captivity from Egypt. So this was a time that they set aside, right? This is after um, the Day of Atonement. So shortly after the Day of Atonement, they would celebrate this feast. And they would celebrate God's provision for them of of how he provided for them from wandering around in the wilderness for 40 years. And so one of the things that they would do is they would build these temporary little huts and stuff so that they can so they can go back in time and and act out essentially God's provision for them. And as a reminder to, to say, you know what, God fulfilled his promise for us and he led us out of Egypt and he led us into the promised land. And I was doing some uh, deeper research and, and some even believe that this was even the season that Jesus was born in because it took place on the 15th of the Hebrew month. Uh, if I pronounce this right, Tishri, the seventh month of the Hebrew calendar, which is of late September, mid-October. And um, some believe that it's it's possible that Christ was born more around that time than than December. So the story isn't just about a blind man being healed. It's deeper than that. There's more to it than that. And really, we can look and we can see how Jesus is claiming something here that he is. Our rest. He is our Sabbath. And um, when the Israelites were were wandering around in the in the wilderness, they they needed rest. Forty years of wandering around, they needed rest. And and Jesus, because he's so good, he he fulfills this because the. The thing about Christ is the work has been done. The price has been paid. We don't have to work out our salvation. We no longer have to work or strive any longer. Christ is our rest. 
church, does that mean that we stop telling people about Christ? It doesn't mean that. It means that there, we, there's, not amount, there's no amount of laws that we can follow. There's no amount of good deeds that you can do to become a follower of Christ. Not one. Scripture tells us that faith without works is dead. This is not what it's talking about. It's talking about walking out and and stepping into the finished work of the blood of Jesus Christ that he did at the cross. That in our lives, we can think that there's certain things that we have to do to measure up, to gain salvation. See, the rest that the Israelites were looking for was found in a person and the name is Jesus Christ. Amen. And that's the same rest that we can have if we put our faith and we put our hope and we put our trust in the work of the cross. That we worship a living God who died on the cross, who was buried and rose again on the third day. That we can have life and have life abundantly. It's found in the work of Christ. Amen. So there was a tradition that they... They, they felt like the sins of, of the family were passed on generationally. And um, in Exodus, you could see that where the, uh, the families were, were not allowed. If you were 20 years or older, you weren't allowed to enter in, uh, into the promised land, into the rest of God. So, they, so the, the sins of the family, um, generationally, they, they, felt like, um, they felt like if there was something wrong with somebody in their life, like a disability, that it had to be because of somebody in their family sinning and this is God's judgment on them. See, it was misguided. They took God's scripture and they just tweaked it just enough to where they could be elevated in their holiness. That way they could look down at other people and say, look at me. Look how good I am. Look how much I have it together. And it, is that so contrary to the gospel? Because <laughs> look, I don't have it together. And I know you don't either. I'm going to insult you this morning. That's my job. Yeah. <laughs> amen, amen. You know what? It's, I tell you what, we got to be humble because I tell you, we are nothing without Jesus Christ. Amen. Oh, so neither this man or his parents sinned, Jesus said. And Jesus, what, Jesus isn't saying that they didn't sin. That's not what he's saying here. He's speaking more towards their generational sin that they were thinking about. But this happened that the works of God might be displayed in him. As long as it is his day, we must do the works of him who sent me. As long as it is day. See, daylight, if, if we read through this scripture, we see that there's contrast. There's day. There's darkness. And there's a reason why these concepts are used. That we learn and understand that we walk in the light. The light of Christ. Right? If we could go back, let's do this real quick. Let's just talk about the light for a moment. Go to John chapter 1. We go to John chapter 1, verse 5. 
It says the light shines in the darkness. And the darkness has not overcome. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning the light so that through him all might believe. He himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world. And though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children born not of a natural descent, nor of human decision or a husband's will, but born of God. The light had came into the world. And we see in this that Jesus is the light. He is the one who shines the light in our path. And in our life, we only have a certain amount of time, church. And what he's telling him is this. Christ in the flesh, when he walked on the earth, he had a certain amount of time that he was going to be there. He knew that his days were numbered. Just like yours are. Just like mine are. Jesus knew that his time was short. But while he was on the earth, he poured into the people that, that loved him, that, that surrounded him, his disciples. He poured as much of his life into them as he could. And church, I want to just tell us, tell you this. And I know you already know this, but I just want to just lay it out. God has a work for you. God has work for you. While it is day, while it is day, it is day right now. What it means is while you are breathing, while you are alive on this earth, while your feet are planted above the ground, God has a work for you in this life. And it doesn't matter if you're four years old or if you're 95 years old. It doesn't matter. Your usefulness for the sake of the gospel of Christ is not a determinant by your age. It's determinant by walking in the light, by walking in the light of Jesus Christ. We cannot put limits on what God can do through us. Don't put limits on a 10-year-old kid. Don't put limits on a 10-year-old kid that is in Sunday school church, in, the, in this church. That you don't think that that kid can go home and give the gospel to his family and that whole family would be saved. And that family would be saved and then it just passed on for generations. Breaking generational sin. Right? What we're talking about, being steeped in sin... Oftentimes, because somebody doesn't know Christ, their kids don't know Christ. And their kids' kids don't know Christ. But until some 10-year-old comes into their life, or some 95-year-old comes into their life, or some 55-year-old comes into their life, it gives them the gospel of Jesus Christ. It is light. It is light right now. And I want to tell you this. If you have grandchildren, if you have children that don't know Christ, I'm telling you, get on your knees. And seek out the gospel. Seek out Christ. And have God just speak through you into their lives. Hit God. Go to God in prayer. In deep prayer. You may need to fast. You may need to take the time and just set it aside and say, God, I'm going to battle for this in the name of Jesus Christ. While it is still light, I'm going to pursue you, God, with all that I have. With all that I am. With you in me. With the power of God in me. Not in our own strength. Because, brothers and sisters, we know how tired we can get in our own strength. There's a reason why the pastor has to take a break. Because we're human. 
God has a work for you. I was thinking about this this morning. And something was, it just laid on my heart and I just want to say this. In our old church, um, we have, we have a lot of elderly folks in our church, um, just like here. And I think it's the greatest blessing there is. And this is a message to the elderly of this church specifically. You may have grandkids that don't know Christ. And you you may think that because of your body being broken and that you don't have the abilities that you once had, that God can't use you. I want to tell you this. I want you to pray first. But I want you to set aside a little appointment with your grandkid. This may be for just one or two in here. I don't know. I want you to set up a lunch at your house, at a restaurant. I want you to set up a phone call, whatever it is that you need to do. And I want you to tell them about Jesus. I want you to take time. Take time to give the gospel. It is still light. Listen. It is still light. And God wants to use you to spread the good news of Jesus Christ. Amen? And I don't know what that looks like for you, but have the boldness of God. I don't want it to be a time where There's a casket up front here and everybody has all kinds of lovely things to say about you and you never told them about Christ. Don't let that happen. Let the light of God shine through you and let the power of the Holy Spirit minister to your heart and God use you to reach the lost and your loved ones for the sake of the gospel. Because night is coming when no one can work. While I am in the world, I am the light of the world. Let's go to First uh, Corinthians chapter one, and it'll be in uh, verse twenty-six through thirty-one. Let's look. At the physical state of this blind man for a moment, okay? Before we jump into reading that. So, I got a good friend at our old, at our other church, excuse me, that is blind. But he wasn't born blind. There's, there's a difference. And people who are born completely blind, it's completely dark. They can't see. They may be able to see different shadows or maybe light or something just could pass by. And there's just maybe a a semblance of, of sight, but not. This man was born 
completely blind. He's never seen a thing. So if you know this about blind people, is um, at this time, they would oftentimes sit outside the temple or a popular place and beg because they had no means to provide for themselves. May that never be the church. May that never be the church. But here he is in a lowly state. He had no ability to provide for himself. Chances are he was probably wearing rags for clothes. He would sit with his hands out. Asking for help. Guys, I'm going to tell you right now. He knew what he was doing. He was positioned in the right place. He was positioned at the right time. And and God had him directly where he was going to be. And here he was so used to hearing footsteps come by, right? You know he was used to hearing the sounds of the Pharisees. Because they would probably wear heavier garments and their clothes would be different. And maybe they had different bells and tassels attached to them. So when they walked, his ears were inclined to that. And he knew in his heart that he knew that they had more money than he had. And he would put his hands up to them. To the religious, to the haves, to those at that time would have something. His ear was inclined in his, to, to voices of certain people who have walked in and out of the temple and have walked along the way to the pool. He knew their voices. He, he could recognize who they were. I bet you that just by the foot sound of the footsteps, I bet you he could almost tell who was coming by how they dragged their feet. His senses, when it came to hearing, I'm sure, became very acute because his life depended on it. You hear me? His hearing became acute, meaning that it became, um, he was able to tune it in in a way that you and I don't. His life literally depended on it. Let's go. First Corinthians. Chapter one, 26 to 31. Brothers and sisters. Think of yourself what you were when you were called. Not many of you were wise by human standards. Not many of you were influential. Not many were noble birth. But God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. God chose the lowly things of this world and the despised things and the things that are not to nullify the things that are so that no one may boast before him. If you look in the scriptures, God just has this way of taking ordinary people to do extraordinary things. And he takes the most lowly people, tax collectors, right? 
In that time, you think about a tax collector at that time. They were hated. Anybody like paying taxes? Yeah, I know, I know, I know you guys love it. You're, you're just so excited for the new 1% property taxes coming in, you know. You're, you're just so pumped up about having to pay more taxes. We can't stand that. Like, you know what I mean? Nobody likes somebody taking their money. But here it is. Jesus takes somebody that that was their profession and he puts them in and he says, you're going to be my disciple. God takes the foolish things. He takes things that we think with our mind, that the way, that way that we think things should be, and He confounds us in our own wisdom. Look, church, I've been going through, through some things, and I, I tell you what, I have no idea what God is doing. I have no idea. And it, I thought I did. You know what I mean? I thought I knew, like, I thought I knew something. But God's like, no, you don't. <laughs> you know, and I, I got to tell you, you know, like sometimes we think we got it all together and God sometimes he has to. He has to hold the reins on us, right? He has to pull us back. And because if we did it in our own power and if we did it in our own way, we would think we get the credit. You know that? We think we would get the credit. But here is this blind man that that Jesus is going to use. And boy, does he irritate some people with this. It's just the Pharisees were so used to people looking up to them and elevating them in, in such this rock star type of status. That here comes somebody on the scene that completely destroys that. And really, you guys, when it comes to having power, when somebody tries to remove that out of your hands, you ever had something in your life that you want to hold on to so strong that that you're unwilling to let go of it? And God is sitting here just kind of like, Trying to nudge it out of your hands and you're, you know, you're, you're white knuckling it. You know what I mean? You just won't let go. God does things differently than the way that we think that he should do them. And I'm glad he does. So here is this blind man. Demonstrating to us and showing us what the posture of our lives should look like. Somebody who's literally on his knees with his hands lifted up. And he's saying, I need to be provided for. And here comes this man. Some footsteps that maybe he didn't recognize. And some voices that maybe he wasn't as familiar with. Maybe he heard them once or twice. And here walks this man, stepping down. And and he sees this guy walking. Jesus is just walking. And along the path, here lies the blind man. Aren't you glad... That Jesus stopped at you? Aren't you glad that he paused where you sit? (laughs) That he spoke to you? If you're not glad, then you don't know Jesus. 
Here he is. With arms lifted high. It reminds me of an old song. Um, you guys remember that? Uh, it's like, with my hands lifted high. Something like that. And my mouth filled with praise. With a heart of thanksgiving. I will bless thee, O Lord. I will bless thee, O Lord. I will bless thee, O Lord. With a heart of thanksgiving. I will bless thee, O Lord. Amen. Didn't know we were going to be singing and preaching everything this morning. Amen. I like, you know, just being here, I, I tell you what, um, God takes the lowly things, and he uses them to glorify himself, to draw people into the kingdom, to confound the wise. And I love it. And I want to ask you this morning, are your ears inclined to hear? Are your ears inclined to hear the footsteps of our Lord? Are your ears inclined to hear the whisper of the Holy Spirit speaking to you? Church, I know what life is like and how busy life can be. How we can chase dreams and we can chase work and we can chase all of these things. And, and, and because of that, we don't hear clearly. We went up um, and did some hiking the other day in the mountains. And um, on the way up there, my, my son has these uh, headphones, right? And he puts them on and, you know, you're talking to him. You're just, your lips are moving, right? <laughs> Noise canceling. And they work. And they work. I'm not kidding you. I put them on and, and uh, my wife, Billy, was talking to me and her lips were moving. I was like, I don't hear a thing. You know? It's a, uh, and then, and then we get up on the hill, right? And then, um, then they have the, like those little earmuffs you can put over your ears. Just, they just kind of stick over there and you can hear a little bit, right? Just enough to keep your ears warm. It's kind of like us in church sometimes, right? Like we're in church, our ears are warm, you know, we're, we're hearing the word of God, but are we really hearing? Are we really Listening to what God is speaking to you in your life. See, I know God has been speaking to people in this church. and He's probably been telling you the same thing for 20 years and you won't listen. I know it. I've lived it. Can we incline our ears and take the posture of the blind man to listen? To listen to the sound of the voice of Jesus speaking to us and calling you out and saying, come follow me. See, John chapter 10, verse 27. It says, my sheep listen to my voice. I know them. And they follow me. See, it was really cool. When you read this, 
chapter 9. See, Jesus is talking, right? And he's, and, and the disciples, they're talking amongst themselves. And, and we read, and, he's, and they say, you know, like, um, as he went along, he saw a blind man, verse 1, from birth. His disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? And as we go along and we read, you don't hear from the blind man until after he received his sight. And I think it's just kind of interesting that he has all these people swirling around him and they're talking about him and they're hovering over the top of him. And he's not it's not recorded of him saying anything. I think it's interesting that here Jesus tells him. To get up and to go wash in the pool. And Jesus takes spit, okay, and dirt. I've never been blind. But I'm telling you, that is the last thing I want on my eyes, okay? (laughs) I'm just saying. I mean, I can see pretty good with my glasses on. And I sure don't want anybody taking dirt and mud and spit and slapping it in my eyes. You know, I mean, like, what is that? I mean, I, I, I'm not even trying to be funny. I'm just telling you, like, it makes absolutely no sense. I mean, the, the deep theologians, they dig into this and they're saying, you know, God took the dirt of the earth and, you know, the spit from his mouth. And, and, and it's really holy. It sounds awesome. Or it could just be simple. That he just took dirt and spit and put it on their eye, on his eyes. And here, you don't hear a word out of him about this. I think it's just interesting. That Jesus took the dirt, the spit, he put it in his eyes, and, and just the most, just, it made no sense to take dirt on it and put it in a blind man's eyes. Guys, I'm telling you, Jesus does things in our lives that make no sense. But the most Incredible thing is, he gets up and he walks. Somehow, he has helpers. I'm sure there was people hanging around him that took him over to the pool and he washes his eyes out. And now he can see. And he can see really good. Probably 2020 or better. Better than what I got. Could you imagine that? Could you imagine not being able to see a thing? I mean, nothing. That your life has been complete darkness. Complete darkness. And here Jesus puts mud on your eyes. He tells you to go wash in the pool. And you wash and you can see clearly. Guys, we can see a clear spiritual picture of our life. One When our life is steeped in sin without Christ. That we're spiritually dead. We're in complete darkness. And separated from God. And we can see the obedience. Of a man hearing the call of Christ in his life. And in his blindness. And in his unknowing. There's something about what he says that makes him listen. 
There's something that Jesus says that he listens to. I, I would not listen to somebody who told me to put dirt in my eyes. I'm just telling you. It, I wouldn't. Unless we're being obedient to hearing the voice of God. And walking in that obedience to that pool. And having our eyes washed clean. And that we can see clearly. I want to read something. I think it's really cool. It talks about the tabernacles and the promise of living water. This is, uh, I got a cultural study Bible. It says, A highlight of the festival of tabernacles was the water drawing ceremony. Priests would draw water from the pool of Siloam and lead a, and lead a procession to the temple where they would pour out the water at the altar. Before Jerusalem's destruction, 80, 70 pilgrims from the diaspora who were visited Jerusalem for the festival knew about the ceremony. Indeed, some scholars point to souvenirs from as far off as Cyprus that may depict the ceremony. Priests poured water at the altar to signify the biblical promise that in the time of restoration, rivers of living water would flow from the temple. The promise was supported from scriptures read on the last day of the festival in Ezekiel 47 about rivers of flowing from the temple and Zechariah 14 about waters flowing from Jerusalem. Jesus' paraphrase of the scripture as waters flowing from literally his belly may evoke the Jewish tradition of Jerusalem and the temple as the navel of the earth. Thus his wording would refer to the biblical promised waters flowing from Jerusalem. But Jesus refers to the spirit rather than to literal water. There's a bigger picture taking place here outside of just a man being washed in a pool. And we can see a bigger picture of of Christ's fulfillment of Scripture. That where the Scripture says, out of our bellies shall flow rivers of living water. That because we have been washed in the blood of Jesus Christ, that we are filled with the Holy Spirit. That leads somebody who used to be blind. Somebody who used to walk in darkness. But now gives them a light to walk into. And and just as it is day now. We walk clearly with our eyes wide open. Because we walk in the light of Christ. We walk in the footsteps that Christ laid out for us. We walk by the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. There's so much more than just a blind man being healed in this picture. It's just so incredible when we dig in and we get even deeper into the scripture of where it takes us. That's page one, FYI, of three. (laughs) Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, boy. Let's go. Let's go to Ephesians. Let's go to Ephesians chapter two, verse ten. I'm going to get bang for the buck today, all right? We're going to do this. Oh. So, we've established that Christ is the light of the world. 
And in John 12, uh, 35, it says um, a little while longer that the light's going to be with us. But Ephesians chapter 2, actually, excuse me, I, I just, I'm tricking you. I, I was going to do that one. I'm going to, Ephesians 5, 8 through 15. Uh, Ephesians chapter 5, 8 through 15. We're just going to hammer home the point of our life as how we walked before Christ, before we knew him. Verse 8 says, for you were once darkness, but you are light in the Lord. Live as children of the light, for the fruit of the light consists in all goodness, righteousness and truth. And find out what pleases the Lord. Have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose them. It is shameful even to mention the disobedience done in secret. But everything exposed by the light becomes visible. And everything that is illuminated becomes a light. This is why it is said, wake up, O sleeper. Rise from the dead. And Christ will shine on you. Be be very careful then how you live. Not as unwise but is wise. And I could picture this blind man who now has his sight that Jesus is completely restored. See, that's the beauty of the cross of Christ. That's the beauty of the blood of Jesus Christ. That the work that He does in us, He does it completely. That when we give our life to Christ, that He completely saves us, that he completes us, completely makes us right in the sight of God because of his blood and his sacrifice. And because of that, we can walk in the light. And if we go into Ephesians, you find out it talks about how the good works that God prepared beforehand, that you would walk in them. See, I can't envision somebody who was completely blind. Being healed by Jesus, not follow him. You with me? I, I could not picture this. That somebody who had been on their hands and knees, who was begging for provision in their life, that had received complete healing and sight, Not follow him. See, the scripture says that out of our bellies shall flow rivers of living water. That the overflowing of the Holy Spirit in our lives, that we're going to reach out and we're going to get a hold of people because God is pouring out through us to others. And I can't imagine. I can't imagine. Having that and walking with him. My cousin, he texted me the other day. And he received 
Christ as his Lord and Savior. And he told me, he told me this. He said, I was walking close to the light, but I wasn't in it. And he said, God got a hold of him and he saved him. See, the Pharisees were walking around in their own righteousness. They were walking around and they were dressed nice, looking sharp, doing all the right things, saying all the right prayers, stand up, sit down, light the incense, make the sacrifices, go to the feasts, go do, do all these things. Walking near the light. Never able to fully walk in it because they have not walked with Jesus. Have you walked near the light? Are you walking near God? Having a resemblance of your life of something that is religious? Picture the joy of knowing as a blind man that he could see See his parents' face for the first time. Can you imagine that? I know when I was little and I walked down the steps of that Billy Graham crusade, I was blind. My parents had brought me to church. They showed me the way. I was walking near the light. But God got a hold of my heart. And I stepped down those stairs. And I said, God, I'm going to follow you with my life. I'm going to follow you. God, I give you all of me. Just as the blind man sitting there with his hands up because he has nothing to give. He can only receive. That's all we can do. Brothers and sisters. There's not any work that we can do to earn the love of God. He loves you. I want you to get that. I tell everybody this as much as I can tell them all the time. God loves you as much today as he's ever going to love you. There is nothing that you can do to earn God's love. Not one thing. Not one thing can you do to earn his love. Right where you at, steeped in your sin, God loves you. And he demonstrated that by pouring his son out on a cross and laying the wrath of God on his son. And he bore the sins of all mankind that whoever believes in him shall have life and have life eternally. Do not walk near the light. Walk in the light. And I want to challenge you this morning. If you don't know Christ as your Lord and Savior. Or maybe you have been stepping outside of that in your life and maybe live in a milk toast Christian life. One that's maybe steeped in routine. Maybe you've been far off and, it, and, and just coming to meet with God is something that you do every now and then. If you know that you were blind, go to the one who brings the healing. 
Go to the one that heals all the way. See, in Romans it says, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus. Amen? The gift that we've been given. See, when I tell you that God loves you as much as He's ever going to love you, is because the gift that He's given you is something for you to receive. It's something for you to receive. To take hold of. And to allow God to come into your heart and your life and to change you. To make you who were blind to see again. You will see life completely different with Christ. You will begin to love people that are unlovable. In a matter of fact, you may actually start loving yourself. Because then you know that you were created by God. That you are God's most prized creation. That He knew your name before the foundations of the earth. That's the God we serve. That's the God we worship. I got another little song. I'm just going to sing a little bit of it. Um, See if I can do it. I once was blind, but now I see. I once was blind, but now I see. I don't know how, but when He touched me, I once was blind, but now I see. And now my life song sings. I once was dead, but now I live. I once was dead, but now I live. That's about all I can remember. But all I know is when He touched me, He changed my life. And if you don't know Christ this morning, I want to ask you to say, you know what? You're not here by accident. God's got a divine appointment with you this morning. He wants to meet you right where you're at, steeped in your sin. And He's calling you to receive Him, to repent, to turn from your sin, and to walk with Him in newness of light. To walk in the light because you'd you be no longer in darkness. And the, and the most... Amazing thing, eternity with God starts then. Your eternity with God starts the moment that you say, God, I'm going to follow you with my life. I want to walk with you. You can walk out of this building today and you can have the assurance of knowing that if you were to die, That no matter what came at you, that you're going to live in eternity with God in heaven. What a blessing. Amen. Amen. Worship team, I guess we've got another song to do. And um, let's pray while they're coming up. I don't know what, am I on track here? We Okay, we're cool.
No. <laughs> I got like three more pages. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Amen. Um, yeah. <laughs> Let's pray. Can we stand up, church? If you're able, stand. If not, it's okay to worship God right where you're at and just raise your hands and let God just bless you this morning. God, we just praise you, God, and we glorify you, for you alone are worthy of our praise, God. God, you were so good to us. God, I just thank you that you saved a wretch like me. That, God, that you led my family into this church. That, God, where your Holy Spirit moved and where it continues to move in the hearts of men and women and children. And, God, I pray that you would use this church. God, that you would use the people that are sitting in this church to glorify you with all that they have while there is still light, Lord God. While there is still light in this day, God, I pray that they would walk with you, that they would talk with you, and that everything about their lives would be with you. God, that we would live a life that is worthy of the calling that you've given us through the gospel. God, that we're no longer identified by our sin. But your scripture tells us that we are the righteousness of God. And Lord, we've been made right by the blood of Jesus. That Lord, there's no slander or anything that man could say against us, Lord. Because you pay the penalty on the cross through the blood of Jesus Christ. And God, for that, we give you all the praise and all the glory. You alone are worthy of our praise this morning, God. God, may you be glorified in all that we do. God, may you be glorified in all that we say. God, may every step that we take in our life be led by the power of the Holy Spirit. God, may we take... Every step in our life, may it be led by you. God, and we lift up this morning those in our family who don't know you, God. God, we lift up those who have walked away from Christ. That God, that have walked away from their first love. God, we pray this morning that you would fan into flames with the work that you started in their lives, God. That that small spark that you started in their heart, God, that you would fan into a flame, God, that cannot be put out. Lord God, we thank you that that's what you do in our lives. That, God, even though we walk away from you and, God, even though we sin, your word tells us that we confess our sins with our mouths. You are faithful and just to forgive us of all unrighteousness, God. And we hold and we stand on the promises of your word this morning, God. And we thank you for the scripture that you've given us, God, that we can stand firm and stand on the solid foundation of Jesus Christ. That, God, there is no other foundation which man can stand on other than you. God, you are the rock. You are our foundation, Lord. And there is nothing in our lives that can be thrown at us, that, God, that we can't walk through with you. God, if you are with us, it doesn't matter what kind of weapon or anything that's formed against us, God, it cannot stand because we stand in the power of Jesus Christ. And, God, we just pray that you would just fill us, overflowing with the power of your Holy Spirit, Lord. God, that you would fill us overflowing, that, Lord, that when we walk into grocery stores, when we go into our work, Lord, God, that there would be something different about us that, that just flows out of us. Lord, just as Moses, when he was spending time with you, Lord, as his his face glowed. Lord God, may there be a glow in our lives that knowing that we walk in forgiveness. That God, that we walk in newness of life. That God, that we don't walk anymore in darkness. We are no longer blind, but God, we see. And God, we walk in the light of Jesus Christ. And God, we give you all the glory for that in the name of Jesus Christ. And God, we commit everything into your hands. And Lord God, we just praise you. Lord God, we worship you. God, we adore you. We magnify you, God. God, we lay down our lives before you, God, and I pray that we would live our lives as a sacrifice of praise unto you, Lord God. 
Help us, Heavenly Father, to take up our cross and to follow You. God, that we would live a life that resembles You. That, Lord, even though on the outside things look bleak and the things may look dim from the hurts and the pains and and all the things that come at us and the bodily aches and all those things, Lord God, those are only temporary. Because there's going to be a day where we get to stand before You. And it will never be dark. Because it will be in pure light that we stand. And I pray, Lord God, that we hear the words because of our faithfulness in You and that we walk and step in hand in hand with You. We hear the, the, the famous words of, well done, my good and faithful servant. God, I pray that You would just help us to run this race with endurance, Lord God. That we would finish the race that You started in our lives, Lord God. That we would finish it. That we would complete it. Lord God, the work that You started in our lives, Your Word tells us that You are faithful to complete it. And God, we thank You for that. God, we don't rest on what we know about ourselves. We rest on what you know about us. And God, and you know every detail about us, Lord. And you're the one who cleans us up. You're the ones that sends us out, Lord God. And we thank you for that. And God, we stand in the identity that you've given us. And that is as a child of God, that we're heirs of the kingdom of God. And that we are your children, Lord. That we are saved by grace. And that God, that we, we are saved by the work and the power of Jesus Christ. And we stand in that this morning, Lord. And we thank you for that in the strong and powerful and precious name of Jesus Christ. Amen.